This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. So we spent majority of the program talking about what's happening on Capitol Hill right now. So as I said, little counter-programming here with my next guest, uh, a good friend of the program, Jed Babin, best-selling author. You've seen his work in the American Spectator and RealClearPolitics.com. Jed served as a deputy undersecretary of defense in President George H.W. Bush's administration. Mr. Babin, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Hey, great to be with you, Chris. Uh, first off, just as a general uh, uh, a commentary on what's happening in Washington, D.C. with this, it doesn't seem to be a fixation on Russian collusion because, as I predicted yesterday, Mr. Babin, uh, as we saw in the Comey hearing, there's scant attention being paid to what the Russians actually did to us. All that the, the Democrat side of the aisle seems to be consumed with is is trying to nail Trump administration officials on what they did or didn't say or what they did and didn't do and set up as much smoke as possible. That seems to be the, the objective of these, of these hearings. Well, don't forget the ultimate objective here is to impeach President Trump. And the Democrats, uh, I guess, just can't understand why they haven't been able to yet. And they just keep fishing and fishing and, you know, nothing's biting. So, they're just going on and on with a lot of political theater that I frankly am bored with. It just doesn't make any difference. Right. In the meantime, there's a lot of serious stuff going on out there, as articulated by the Secretary of Defense, James Mattis, telling the House Armed Services Committee just yesterday that Congress has done more damage to the military than the enemy has. I want you to listen to the soundbite, uh, Mr. Babin, and then comment on it. Here it is. We need bipartisan support for this budget request. In the past, by failing to pass a budget on time or eliminate the threat of sequestration, Congress sidelined itself from its active constitutional oversight role. Continuing resolutions coupled with sequestration blocked new programs, prevented service growth, stalled industry initiative, and placed troops at greater risk. Despite the tremendous efforts of this committee, Congress as a whole has met the present challenge with lassitude, not leadership. I retired from military service three months after sequestration took effect. Four years later, I've returned to the department, and I have been shocked by what I've seen about our readiness to fight. While nothing can compare to the heartache caused by the loss of our troops during these wars, no enemy in the field has done more to harm the combat readiness of our military than sequestration. <laughs> that, that floored me. My jaw dropped when I heard that. How about you, Jed? Well, I mean, it's, it, I can't disagree with one syllable of it, and it's the kind of thing that I've been writing about and yelling about on the air for a long, long time. Look, you just think about, I mean, Secretary Mattis is not only right, he's goddamn well right. 
I mean, the, the point really comes down to you've got a situation where, for example, about 70% of the F-18s in service in the United States Marine Corps are not combat-worthy. You can't fly them on combat. About 60% of the same aircraft, the F-18s, are not capable of combat from the Navy. So you've got, what, I don't know, six or seven uh, Navy combat squadrons that can't even go into fight. You know, you've got a situation where the United States Air Force has, I think uh, the last numbers I saw was they only have 70% of their aircraft overall that are combat capable. So, you know, you look at what the Congress has done so far and given President, a small, given President Trump a small part of what he asked for, I think he got, what, $20 billion out of the $25 billion he asked for. That's chump change, Chris. You can't even get all those airplanes back in the air, far less fix what else is wrong with that kind of money. It's going to take hundreds of billions of dollars, and it's going to take years to get us back to the point where our forces are combat ready. And it's just, Mattis is absolutely right. It's Congress's fault. They went along with Obama. They went along with sequestration. And, you know, now our guys are just facing the problems that that's all created. And it's a terrible, terrible disadvantage that they've been placed under. Yeah, and don't get me started on the Navy. They, they are plagued with similar problems that the Air Force and the Marines are plagued with with aircraft, with, with the ships sure. having, to, having to cannibalize parts just to keep planes or ships uh, uh, in, in theater in, in most of these cases. And I, I've got to tell you that uh, the F-35 strike fighter report that I saw, I think it was just yesterday, that this very expensive brand new aircraft, it too has oxygen problems. And uh, we've spent a boatload of money on this. And what I think is responsible for this is a Congress that has a government that is too big that can't be administered. And, and they're focusing on all the wrong stuff up there on Capitol Hill. Well, I mean, that's again, I can't argue with anything you're saying. You've got Congress, they're fiddling around. They can't even manage to do Obamacare. They can't manage to do tax reform. I mean, what the heck are these guys paid for? Beats me. It <laughs> seems to me they have a very urgent tasks ahead of them. They've got things they have to deal with right bloody now. The aircraft that are unserviceable and not combat capable, those need to be brought in line or replaced. And it's going to take at least two years to do so. They've got to spend the money. They've got to do it. You know, the Marines and the Army are suffering, well, so is the Air Force, quite frankly, and the Navy, uh, from very long deployments. You've got many, many men who are, you know, quite frankly, unable to see their families, even when they're home, supposedly recovering from a deployment, because they're so busy training and recovering from the last deployment. So it's, it's just a horrible situation. Let me just add one little thing. It's not a little thing whatsoever. I have a lot of friends in the special operations community. I think a lot of people don't understand they make up roughly, I don't know, 4 or 5% of the overall force. They're taking 65% of the casualties. We see these guys getting killed all the time. And part of the reason of that is we don't have a strategy in Afghanistan. We don't have a strategy in Iraq. We don't have a strategy pretty much anywhere. And everybody says, oh, yeah, let's send the special forces in. Well, you know, their lives count, too. And I think before we start, you know, agreeing to spend any more lives, we ought to figure out what the blazes we're doing. Well, uh, uh, you took me right where I wanted to go. Jed Babin, best-selling author. You can catch his stuff at uh, American Spectator and RealClearPolitics.com. The former Deputy Undersecretary of Defense under President George H.W. Bush. I kind of giggled a little bit when I heard that Dennis Rodman, the former basketball player, was heading over to North Korea until the breaking news this morning that uh, Otto Warm, uh, Warmbier, 
uh, had had been released from the communist custody. A comment, and this is going to help us get into the broader discussion of North Korea. Comment on what you think happened here. Well, I think it's pretty clear. The State Department worked it out. Uh, Secretary Tillerson announced the release, I believe, before uh, Dennis Rodman got over there. And, you know, it's just this is a guy who has played with Kim Jong-un before. He's, you know, making it more of a stir than he really deserves to be making. And, you know, frankly, he cannot do any good or any harm by being there. I think it's just a it's going to be fun for him. And it's not going to be fun for anybody else. We've got 38,000 troops in South Korea right now. The South Korean government is screwing around with the idea of whether they're going to go forward with the THAAD deployment, the Terminal High Altitude Air Defense System, the anti-missile system that we want to put in there, that we are starting to put in there. And, you know, how are we going to protect our troops from North Korean missiles if South Korea won't let us deploy THAAD? It seems to me at some point, and I don't think we're at that point yet because the South Koreans are hedging and hemming and hawing about what they're actually going to do. But if it comes to the point where the South Korean President Moon says to Mr. Trump, well, we're just not going to go ahead with bad deployment, Mr. Trump ought to say, you know, fine, that we're going to withdraw our troops. Yeah, that, that would be the, the final Trump card, if you will. Uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about the North Korean situation. It seems that the posture that the president had when he was running has softened on the communist Chinese because he has settled in on this notion that he needs the Chinese to combat a, a, a consistently combative and now dangerously close to a delivery system for nuclear weaponry. Uh, by the way, nuclear weaponry, cur- courtesy of the, the Clinton administration uh, in North Korea. But still, we have issues with, with the Chinese and what they've done in the South China Sea and their militarization have said how do you strike that balance to where the United States isn't at a significant disadvantage as, as far as trade is concerned in the, in, in the Pacific, but also rein in with the help of the Chinese what's going on in North Korea? Well, you've got to make a choice. Uh, you're not going to have both. It's just that simple. The Chinese have talked a big game. They have never done anything substantial to rein in the nuclear weapons program or the missile program of North Korea. Uh, and, you know, they're balancing their trade with us against that. And they believe, and so far correctly, that we're not going to do much, uh, you know, to disturb their trade relationship with us. So you're not going to get the Chinese to do it. You know, Chris, we're going to end up with a situation. Well, we are in that situation right now. Let me just pedal back a little bit here. We're in a situation right now where North Korea constitutes a clear and present danger. Secretary Mattis has said that they are the greatest danger to the United States right now. And he's exactly right. The question is, what are we going to do about their missiles and their nuclear weapons programs? Unless the Chinese act to try to take those programs away peacefully, it will not happen peacefully. There will be a very big war over there. Probably hundreds of thousands of people will be killed. And I'm just hopeful we can avoid that. But quite frankly, at this point, I'm not so sure we can. Does a nuclear deterrent, uh, uh, nuclear Short-range nuclear missiles inside of South Korea and in Japan, does that, does that help bring uh, rational minds to the table? I don't know if there are rational minds to bring to the table. <laughs> I think that, well, seriously, with the South yeah. Koreans, uh, rather true. the North Koreans, the North Koreans thrive on this. They thrive on try to, trying to bully us into paying them more and giving them more to, uh, to forestall their nuclear and missile development. But, you know, we played that game with them for a long time. Trump and Mattis have both said that the era of strategic patience is over. Okay. And that's probably right. 
So we're not going to pay them anything. We're not going to try to bribe them with trade or anything to try to get away from their missile defense, uh, from their missile offense system. And they're continually, almost continually launching missiles on tracks that might actually lead them to Japan or to us. And you know, at some point, one of those missiles is going to be launched, which would be capable, maybe not actually be able to get here, but might be capable of reaching the United States. And at that point, we have to shoot the missile down and counterattack, because I don't know how else you get around this. There's going to be a, a very big and very horrifying war over there, and I'm just hoping we can avoid it. But again, I, at this point, I don't see how we can. A quick question here. I only have about 20 seconds left, but I just wanted to get your overall impression of President Trump's national security picks, CIA, SecDef, uh, Department of Homeland Security, NSA, that kind of thing. What do you think? A, a thumbs up from you? Well, middle thumb. Uh, I think he's got some very good people there. I think Mattis is good, but Mattis has some very uh, funky selections of people he wants in his uh, Defense Department. I think H.R. Uh, McMaster, the lieutenant general who is the national security advisor, is a disaster. Uh, this is a man who goes around preaching that uh, terrorism is not part of Islam and it's alien to Islam. I mean, you know, there's some good guys there. Kelly at DHS is great. Uh, you know, I know other people in that cabinet. I mean, I know the attorney general, uh, Jeff Sessions. I know HHS secretary Tom Price. They're top notch. But, you know, that's not part of the uh, the national security team. And, you know, at this point, again, I think they get about a C plus. All right. Former Deputy Undersecretary of Defense and President George H.W. Bush's administration, Jed Babin, everybody. Sir, always appreciate the conversation. We'll get you back on soon. Thanks, Chris. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. 